Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel, you're gonna find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is gonna be on there. You're gonna find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts, all that you can follow along with. And the best part is that it's completely free. They're also around 10 to 20 minutes long, meaning if you're short of time, you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout. New workouts will go live on the channel every Tuesday and Thursday and they're gonna be accompanied by an amazing backdrop, which I'm sure you're all gonna enjoy. So if you wanna find the channel, just search Elliot Hassoon into YouTube and you'll find it very easily. And please subscribe. It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. Hello, wonderful people, and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. So today we have episode 24, and today I actually want to step away from the typical structure, as you could probably tell by the title. And on the 4th of March, it was World Book Day. And when you're a kid in school, especially in the UK, I'm not sure how well celebrated this is worldwide. I know it is called World Book Day, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, But essentially, you get given a voucher to basically get a book. Everyone in full-time education, I believe, gets it. And it is a charity. And kind of the thing that we would do at school is you would kind of dress up as your favorite character from a book that you've read or were reading. And basically, it would be like a non-school uniform day where you would be dressed up as your favorite character. And when I was reflecting on this, I realized that other than Harry Potter, shout out to everyone who grew up with the Harry Potter books too, I was quite uninterested in books. They didn't really catch my attention when I was younger. It was only once I started my career in personal training did I ever really begin to get interested in books. And now I have always got a book on the go. And in fact, I have two books on the go at any given time. So I try to be actively reading one physical book and one audio book at any given time. And granted, I am a lot better with keeping up with the audio books. It's just the nature of our lives. But the audio books, if you've not tried them, they are truly a game changer, right? They don't work for everyone. I appreciate that. And you probably quite comprehend and take in the information quite as you could if you're giving your undivided attention to a physical book. And I think that's the main difference, right? It's not that audio books are in superior. It's just the fact that you would be concentrating more usually if you got a physical book in your hand and you are very close to that text, right? However, if someone asked me what was the best investment I've made that was relatively low cost, I tell them that it was the Audible app, right? For those of you who aren't familiar with it, it's essentially an online library full of literally every book you could think of. And instead of having to read the book, obviously, you just listen to it. And I'd like to think most of us know this already, but I know I've introduced it to a few people recently and it it will change your life. And I probably, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. I probably say that too much, but I'm not exaggerating when I say this. So you get one credit a month 
and you can pretty much get any book you want to. Like the monthly subscription in the UK costs something like £7, which is maybe the equivalent to like two half-decent coffees. And then if you think of the return on investment you get from a book, it is enormous. The author of the book that you've chosen is usually an expert on the field you're reading the book about, and they're literally consolidating their best tips, their tricks, they give you their experience. So you're getting the rundown of a certain topic of someone who's genuinely gone through the process of what you're interested in. And I've definitely had times where like one or two real key points from a book have like transformed my mindset massively. And like I said, you are literally paying the equivalent for two and a half decent coffees. Like that is truly mind blowing to me. And even if you buy a physical book, and let's say that costs like, I don't know, between 12 and 20 pounds, you can get something that literally changes your life or your way of thinking. And I'm sure we've spent like 12 to 20 pounds on nonsense, right? A night in clothing we've never worn before that probably even has, still has the tag on. Um, so as you can probably tell, I'm a very big fan of books. And I just feel the accessibility is like mind blowing, to be completely honest. And I feel they've definitely shaped my mindset and way of thinking. And that's why today I want to specifically share my top five books that have changed my mindset personally. And we all know that if you have a mindset that serves you, you fill your head with enriching content, you will be able to achieve some pretty fantastic things in any area of your life that you want to, including your health and fitness too. These books are very specific to myself and my journey. Um, so you may take away something completely different, but I wanted to share the key takeaways I got from these and hopefully it will help you. And these aren't like curated in any way. I was literally just thinking what books had a really profound message and what do I remember specifically? So, you know, it might not even be the thing that the book is centered around that I took away from it, but I feel like that's more valuable than, you know, just giving you a synopsis on the book. So let's get started with number five. And this one is probably one of, if not the first personal development book that I ever read. And I wish I actually remembered why I picked this one up specifically, but I really can't remember. So it's called Black Hole Focus by the author Isaiah Hankel. I think that's how he pronounced his surname. My apologies if it's not. And it's not really that popular. And I'd be surprised if, you know, anyone listening has come across it as it's not sold in airports. You rarely see it like advertised on Audible or Amazon's recommended reads or anything like that. However, if you do look at it on Amazon, it has some pretty epic ratings. And the book came out in 2014. And I believe I picked it up probably within that year for sure. And it would make sense because it was, you know, in those early days of me being a personal trainer. And somehow I must have come across the advertising and the front cover is quite captivating. So I ordered it and I remember reading the physical copy in uh, the Costa coffee shops in Oxford. So we can all uh, tell how long ago that was considering I was drinking Costa coffee, but I digress. And it essentially goes through the concept of why we need a purpose, how we find our purpose, and then how we fulfill our purpose. And interestingly enough, it goes through the concept of Ikigai, which has grown in popularity massively these days. And I've seen a book specifically on that topic. And for those of you who haven't heard of this, it's simply a Japanese concept that translates to a reason for being. And it's a book of real self-reflection, prioritization, and raw honesty. And I would love to read the book once again now, as I'm sure I would take away something significantly different today, considering you know how much I've evolved since 
you know, six, seven years ago or something, you know, along those lines. But on that note, actually, I don't want to go stray too far away, but I feel like if you did read a book that really had a profound impact on you in one portion of your life, and it was five years ago, 10 years ago, it might be worth rereading that to see what you take away this time around. Because I reckon I could read books that I read three years ago, and I might have a different perspective on it, a different take on it, just because my my mind and my experiences and, you know, I've evolved in that period. So I think that's worth mentioning as well. And now I want to go through the key, one key takeaway that I truly remember to this day that actually really stuck with me coming in seven years ago or something along those lines. And there's a part in the book where Isaiah speaks about creating like a personal slogan or mantra. You start off with potentially a sentence, like you could refer to it as like your narrative or your North Star. And if we take this podcast, for example, in a sentence, the North Star and the narrative around the podcast is to simplify complex topics on health and fitness and provide actionable takeaways. Simple as that. And then he asks you to break it down further to a word or a couple of words. And at any given point during your day, you remind yourself of the words or words And it would almost be a way to like stop and reflect and see if you were living in alignment with that sentence, with those words in that given moment. And coming back to this podcast, if I was to pull out two words out of the sentence, it would be simple and actionable. So anytime I'm creating a podcast for you guys, at any given point, if I stop myself and ask, is this simple? Is this actionable? It makes it so much easier to create and curate the perfect podcast for you guys because I have two very clear goals and a very clear vision. And the word I used for myself all those years ago, and you know, the one that was my personal slogan, not the podcast, and it still resonates to me to this day, and in some ways actually probably resonates more, was impact. I would ask myself at any given time, is what I'm doing right now creating a positive impact in my life or the life of those around me? If the answer was yes, I would continue with doing what I was doing. If the answer was no, I would reassess whether what I was doing was worthwhile or not, and then make a decision to continue or to, you know, do something that does align and is synonymous with impact. It's like really, really powerful, actually. And I'd encourage you guys to have a try if you've never had a think about that. So I think that's the one key takeaway. And like I said, there's a lot more to that book than just that. But that was the one that stood out to me to this day. So that was Isaiah Hankel's book, Black Hole Focus. And book number four on the top five books that have shaped my mindset is The Five Lung Languages by Gary Chapman. And I listened to this podcast where Gary Chapman was interviewed and I remember being so compelled by the concept that I was like, okay, I want to read his book. And just for context, actually, if you were wondering where I discover my books and where I come across all of these, I'd predominantly say that it comes from podcasts. And anytime like I hear an interview with an interesting person, I'll Google them to see if they have a book or certain books. Quite often, most podcast interviews these days are done when, you know, the person actually wants to promote their book, you know, so they're literally being interviewed specifically for that book. And quite often, you know, at least this day and age, not that many people only have one book. They usually have several, they have a lot of content. So that's the way to do it. So if someone's on a podcast, I will, yeah, research them and then make a note of the books they have. Or if someone, you know, recommends a book on a podcast, then I'll make a note of it. And then if I'm following some people who I find, you know, inspirational or, you know, in the field of interest that I'm in on Instagram or something like that, and they post a collection of books, 
works or they put it on their Instagram story. I will screenshot it. I'll revisit it later. And, you know, you find that people share their book recommendations, like, like just like I'm doing today, all the time. So anytime you see something, you're like, oh, that's interesting. Just make a note of it. And the concept of this book is that we all give and receive love in different ways. And these can be summed up into five core love languages. So the first one is words of affirmation, right? So potentially giving praise, compliments, etc. And then physical touch, you know, that's you're going to be hugging, holding hands, just, a, a, you know, an arm on the shoulder. Quality time goes without saying. Being with someone and giving them your undivided attention. Acts of service, you know, potentially running someone a bath, cooking them a meal, you know, doing things for them to make their life a little bit easier. And then the fifth is receiving gifts or giving or receiving gifts, which again, pretty self-explanatory. So in the book, Gary goes into detail in all of these. I think each chapter has goes into this in detail. And he gives you different stories of why we need to understand our own love language and our partner's love language as well. But not only that, even if you're not in a relationship right now, I also found this incredibly helpful with friends and, you know, colleagues and team members too. And rather than having one key takeaway in this book, it was more about understanding how the concept had impacted myself and other relationships that I've had in my life. So from what I remember, we kind of inherit our love languages. Either we give or show love in the way that we saw our parents give and show love. It's a similar story on how we want to receive love too. Either it was how it was shown to us or what we lacked. And understanding this is so, so crucial to a successful relationship. For example, I remember a really interesting part of the book where there was a couple and he goes into a lot of little different case studies of when he had couples come into his relationship therapy office. And the man would go out to work, he'd come home, cut the grass. And at the end of the day, he would just sit with a beer and chill because he was tired. And, you know, he'd be proactively doing those acts of service all day. And him and his wife ended up in couples therapy. And he was like, I don't get it. I go to work. I work hard around the house. I make sure there's food on the table. I feel like I'm fulfilling my duty as a husband. His love language was clearly acts of service. He gave it this way and he also received it this way too. And he felt like he was getting love from his wife because she would cook dinner for him. She would clean the house before he got home and everything along those lines. So when it came to him, he was satisfied. However, his wife's love language was quality time, which she was lacking immensely due to the fact that her husband was always doing something or was too tired to spend any quality time with her. And also she had her chores to keep up with around the house as well. So her needs weren't being met in that way that she needed to receive love. So one member in the relationship is confused because they feel like they're doing a really good job and the other is dissatisfied because they're not getting what they want or need from the relationship. And there's multiple examples like this in the book, and I found it to be truly fascinating. And I feel like this is something you and your partner should discuss in the very early stages of your relationship, or right now if you've never done this or if you've ever heard of this concept. And I would also look to your children, your colleagues, your friends, and see if you're giving your primary love language to everyone. And perhaps, you know, giving your primary love language might not be the best approach for them. You might want to switch things up a little bit and express your love in a way that the individual on the other end needs to receive it or would like to receive it. So that was the big takeaway from the five love languages. It wasn't necessarily one key point. It was more the concept. It was a fascinating one. And I highly encourage you to have a read. So that one was by Gary Chapman. And number three on the list is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. 
And I read the physical copy of this book in late 2016, I want to say. This is when I really got back into personal development after neglecting it for a little while. So you may think of the concept of winning friends and influencing people. It might sound a bit unusual, but in reality, in our interactions, we're kind of looking for validation quite a lot, wondering if that person liked us or not. Maybe we said the right thing or not. So rather than having all these things in the back of your mind, why not learn about human behavior? and understand what would make you more likable. So you don't necessarily have to worry about these things or, you know, how to behave in certain scenarios and what people are inclined to. And this book covers 10 different concepts, I want to say, like ranging from like generosity, owning your mistakes, not always trying to win arguments. And both my memorable takeaways in this one are quite brief. And I feel like there's probably a lot more compelling points uh, than the couple I'm going to go through. But like I said, I don't want to give you a book review here. I want to tell you what stuck with me specifically from these books. And the first one here was to never use the word but. And instead, you would replace it with and. And I did this religiously when I first understood this, and it was really, really helpful. And these days, it's quite natural. I will throw in the occasional but, but (laughs) I'm very aware of when I do this. And I can't tell you how valuable this is in relationships too. It's probably saved me a lot of arguments, to be completely honest. And I want to give you a real world example just to, you know, crystallize this in your mind. So if I was to give you some constructive criticism, you know, realistically, I just want to see you do better. And this comes from a place of genuine intentions, right? And if I say to you, I really like the way you made dinner tonight, but I really like the way that you did this presentation, but I don't know about you, but I'm already thinking like, oh, great, what did I do wrong? Like after that, but I'm setting myself up to like, you know, shield myself to take some some type of criticism here, right? It doesn't even matter what comes next. You know, the negative connotation around the word automatically makes you assume the worst. And even if it's not that bad, you've already already kind of braced yourself for the worst. However, if I say to you, I really like the way you made dinner tonight, and next time if you add some extra salt or make it a little less spicy, I reckon it'll be even better. Or I really like the presentation you did tonight. And next time, I feel like if you just got a little bit more concise on your points, I feel like it would really land better. Like you see the difference. And, you know, the only real thing that I I switched up there was the difference between the and and the but. The and already made you slightly less guarded, right? You were more receptive to that feedback and it landed a lot nicer as well. And it's a lot more neutral and itself, right? That word and is so much more neutral than but. And I'm sure Dale Carnegie was thinking that, you know, there's a lot more key insights in his book. However, that was the one really, really good replacement that resonates with me to this day. And I'm actually just going to stick with that one for the time being. And I want to move on to number two, which was one that really, really profoundly shaped my mindset. And it's The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman. And this is the third time I've spoken about this book in like the last week or two. I recently did a webinar with my coaching team, the EHC team. Prior to this, I hadn't really thought about it, but we were doing a webinar on mindfulness. And, you know, I was talking about my journey into personal development and how I came across it. So when I picked up this book, I thought it was nonfiction. And I used to think fiction books, you know, as an adult were an absolute waste of time. And then I realized thereafter that, you know, there's actually a lot of studies to suggest that they activate the creative side of our brains and actually can be really, really beneficial, especially for someone who's a little bit more on the analytical side like myself. And I was proved wrong massively with thinking that they were a waste of time. I'm so glad that I kind of, you know, picked this up with the knowledge that thinking it wasn't fiction. And 
you know, fiction books here, in, especially in this example, can be super like enjoyable, lighthearted, and you can actually get a lot of learnings and understand a concept without it being super analytical and sciencey. Which, considering, like I said, the way my brain works specifically, it was actually quite a refreshing read. And the book is part of like a four book saga, and it follows a young man's journey into enlightenment, essentially. And the character, his, he's extremely relatable, and it's told in such a playful way that you genuinely enjoy like getting to know the characters, getting into the story, their interactions with the other characters within the book as well. So I think the biggest lesson in general is that fiction is not a waste of time, and it can be immensely valuable, even if you are an adult, even if you think that you've got more important things to do with your time it can be really really helpful but looking particularly at this book the one big takeaway i would say is that if you feel the pull within you to do more with your life you need to follow that instinct like even if on the outside looking in you have a beautiful life if you know that deep down you were made for more you feel it within your bones you need to go in a certain direction in life that's not the one you're currently on you can't ignore it and although like when you look for those answers, you actually may find more questions, sometimes you've got to realize that the pursuit of finding the answer is actually more interesting than the answer itself. And I think that if you've ever felt that way before, you probably have recognized it. And it might be something you realize later in life where you don't feel particularly fulfilled. You wake up one morning, you're like, oh, I'm not sure what path I'm on. You know, you might feel like it's a bit of a midlife crisis. That might be the fact that you've been suppressing that, you know, you've just been conforming to what you know. However, if you do feel that pull, then you have to follow it. And that's what this book made me realize. And to wrap up on this one, the final book in the saga is unreal. I could not put it down and I haven't felt that way about a book in a long time. And I just wanted to like keep turning the pages, keep turning the pages. So I would highly, highly encourage The Way of the Peaceful Warrior by Dan Millman and the remainder of that series as well. And on to the final book. And this one specifically came into my life at the right time. I feel like if it didn't come into my life at that specific moment, the book wouldn't have landed as well as it did and wouldn't have had such a profound impact. And I might sound like a bit of a hippie here. You might be like, you sound all woo-woo, but I have a list of books that I'm interested in. Like I say, I, um, I take notes when I hear people talk about them on podcasts and I compile them into a list. And when I go to pick a book, I allow the book to choose me. I don't sit down and look at my list and be like, yep, this is the next one in, you know, the alphabetical order. Like I just look through the list or I hear a podcast. And if I feel compelled to read it at the time, that's my next read. I don't have an order. I literally let the book choose me. And you might think that sounds weird. You might relate to it. But this one, you know, it literally jumped out at me at the time. And with most of the books, like I sometimes will order a book that I'm like, I'm really interested in at the time, but I only read it like three years later. And I might have books that I've bought five years or so ago. And I just haven't read them yet because it's not been the right time. But because of most of the content in books is, you know, it can be evergreen or there is like timeless wisdom in them. Like, I'm happy if I pick that up in five, 10 years, if the time is right, and I will, you know, I'll read them then. So you may or may not relate to that. But this is where The Power of Now comes in by Eckhart Tolle. And I listened to the audiobook in late summer and the early autumn of 2016. And it was in a time in my life where I started to explore things like meditation, 
journaling and all the other mindfulness practices. And it complemented this phase of my life beautifully. The book is centered around one key topic. The present moment is everything and all that we have. And I remember at the beginning of the book, it was super, super captivating. Towards the middle, it got a bit hard to continue with, but it was definitely worth seeing through until the end to see how it ties together quite nicely. And the one key thing that I took away from this book, and again, this is one of those ones, and I've left this to the final one for a reason that shaped my mindset massively, is that I am not my thoughts. I am the observer of my thoughts. And it sounds simple, but you know, it's anything but simple. And it's actually a super powerful concept. And up until that point in my life, I really didn't have any conscious knowing that I could step back and look at my thoughts and decide, you know, whether I wanted those in my mind or not, and whether I wanted to think those thoughts or not. I didn't recognize that there was a space between doing something and then actually acting on it. Like the space between those things, right? Having an impulse and actually following through with it is what I define as awareness. When you have the power to choose rather than react or to say and do something with a moment of reflection instead of doing it impulsively, you find yourself in a pretty damn fantastic position. Imagine that rather than lashing out in the disagreement with a friend, partner, or family member, you were able to choose your response from a more neutral place. Imagine that rather than going for alcohol, sugar, drugs after a bad day or week, you're able to stop yourself and ask, is this really the right right thing to do right now? Once you understand that this is truly a possibility, you can actually start to cultivate like some space between that and be a lot more calm and be a bit more deliberate about the decisions you're making. And the understanding of this combined with meditation was a really, really epic combo for me that I continue to work on until this day. And it's had such a profound impact on my life. And if I'd never picked up that book, the concept probably wouldn't have been shared with me in such a powerful way that, you know, it had the impact that it did. And like I said, it stays with me until this day. And I feel like it makes me a better human being. So there you have it, guys. Those are my top five books. We started with Black Hole Focus, Five Love Languages, How to Win Friends and Influence People, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, and then onto the power of now to finish off with. So I hope you enjoyed this and it was valuable. I really enjoyed reflecting on these and going through my takeaways. And I actually quickly want to share another quick bunch of books that didn't quite make it to the top five, but have definitely had a real big impact on my thinking and, and my life in general. So the first is Atomic Habits by James Clear. I recommend this to like nearly all of my clients. So if you've not read it, such a good read. Um, the Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. Any Robert Greene book is extraordinary, but be prepared for some real depth and maybe like, you know, 28 hour listen on Audible. And on that note, actually, any book ever written by Ryan Holiday, you know, Ego is the Enemy, Stillness is the Key, The Daily Stoic, really, really powerful wisdom broken down into a very modern format. Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, a concept I really, truly live my life by. Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, another unbelievable uh, story that will make you swallow all of your excuses. And the audiobook's pretty awesome as well. It's an interesting one where in between the chapters, they actually interview David and let him uh, reflect on those. So I thought that was really interesting. And to wrap up there, there are so many incredible books out there. And by diving deep into them, you're only going to benefit. So let me know if you end up picking up any of these books and the takeaway that you get from them specifically. I would love to hear it. And I'd love to hear if you've got any books that I didn't mention today that you have known has made a really 
profound impact on your life. Um, and I would love to put that on my reading list as well. So if you enjoyed this, give it a screenshot, share it on Instagram stories. I know that a lot of people have been doing that and I appreciate you guys so, so much. And that is everything from me today. Thank you so much for listening. Take care and we'll speak soon. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.